Welcome to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay, fitting it all together to make teaching and learning in the junior grades more accessible, practical, and fun for both teachers and their students. Here's your host, teacher by day, mom of three, and curriculum creator of all the things from madlylearning.com, Patty Firth. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. Today, I want to talk about how to set up your guided reading and perhaps dispel a little bit of myths on how to structure that guided reading time, especially when we're talking about the junior grade levels. So first thing we need to look at is what exactly is guided reading and what does it look like at the junior level? So guided reading is an opportunity for you to work with a small group of students to focus on reading skills and strategies. At the junior level, a lot of the focus here is going to be on analyzing texts, point of view, evaluating texts, or some higher order thinking skills and strategies related to increasingly complex texts, as well as digging into the text to look at things such as vocabulary and author's purpose, and the, a lot of the information meaning of what is behind the words on the page. That's going to be a lot of your focus. Now, this varies greatly from students who are working and reading at a primary grade level, where often your focus is going to be more on decoding and fluency and some basic comprehension of simpler texts. So, while many of our resources refer to guided reading about making sure that we can increase their fluency, increase their decoding skills, that looks completely different when we're talking about junior grade students where they have already developed a strong sense of fluency and decoding skills. And now we are looking at really developing and digging in their analytical and evaluative skills when they're looking at a variety of complex texts. So with that being said, the complexities of a junior classroom also mean that the students that are often sitting in front of us are not always going to be reading at grade level. We may still have students with lagging skills where we need to really kind of be the jack of all trades when it comes to guided reading. But it also means that in classrooms such as ours, we need to take the approach to guided reading that this is a triage. There are some students that are going to need more of our support, and there are going to be students that need less of our support. So in that mindset, that means that not every student in your class needs to have an equal amount of face time with you during guided reading sessions. Because frankly, there's going to be a lot of assessment that can take place really quickly with some of your high achieving students. You don't need to spend as much time with them helping them to dig into the text because they're probably most likely going to be doing a lot of this independently on their own and you can evaluate this skill without a lot of support. So you can do a lot of evaluation of their ability to analyze and evaluate texts based on their independent work and you don't necessarily need to have all of the observation and conversational data that you would collect each and every week for them because they produce this for you more readily. For your other students, your middle-of-the-road students or your students that are working at or approaching grade level but are struggling with these concepts, these are the students that you're going to need to meet more regularly. But that still doesn't necessarily mean you need to meet with them every single week. It is these students that you want to check in with and you want to model for them and do some guided lessons with them to make sure that they understand what is happening in the text. You need to do a bit more observational and conversational assessment with these students 
because you may not always glean that information from their independent work. It's also a great opportunity for you to give some reteaching or some additional assessment time with them so that you have a better well-rounded idea of how they're meeting the expectations of the reading curriculum. You can assess students in guided reading on their reading skills. Unlike in modeled and shared reading, where you are doing a lot of the work that is not a great time for assessment, however, it is a good time for instruction. Guided reading are opportunities for you to make observational, conversational, and product-based observations on your students because they're gonna be sitting right there in front of you, and it allows you to provide some support as students are moving away from your modeled and shared and into their independent work. It's the goal of that guided reading session to make and bridge the connection between your instructional practices in your classroom and their independent work with the hope that with more guided instruction, they're able to improve their independent work skills so that they're able to demonstrate a competent understanding of the ability that you are assessing. Now, inevitably, there's going to be another group of students in your classroom that you are going to have to use guided reading to help support their skills. And these are the students that have lagging reading skills that are working significantly below grade level due to, say, learning disabilities, or they perhaps could be English language learners where they are at step one to step three of their English language learning pathway and they are developing their vocabulary and their understanding. It's these students that you're going to want to work more often with during the week because you want to be able to build up those skills so that you can make the improvements. However, in a junior level program, the programming that you're going to provide for this group of students is going to be different and will more reflect the primary level of what a typical guided reading session looks like at the primary level, it's going to look more similar to that for these students with lagging skills. We also have to understand that students with LDs or students who have significant learning delays are going to require different types of instructions than our ELL students, especially concerning some of our ELLs if they have previous background knowledge or they have reading skills and ability levels in their first language then we have to approach these differently. So if we have students that are ELL students, they're perhaps new to the country, step one, and they have first language literacy skills, and they're simply just learning the language of instruction at this point, we can do a few things differently, but we'll get to them in a little bit. So let's assume for now that we are sitting around, we have completed our reading assessments so we know who in our class and where their ability level is right now. So we've already had the snapshot of our class to understand what their reading levels are. Once we have this data gathered, we are now able to group our students by ability. Now, knowing that this is triage, it means that not every group is going to get an equal amount of face time. The goal here is that we want to have between five or six students per guided reading group so you can have four to five guided reading groups. If you can try to balance your class so that you can have four to five guided reading groups, that's wonderful. Now that also doesn't mean that those guided reading groups need to be exactly the same number of students. In your lower groups, you may wanna have less students and in your higher groups, you may wanna go as high as eight because you're not gonna be meeting with them very often.
Now, the schedule I'm going to present is also under the assumption that you have zero withdraw or other support provided to your classroom for your students. If you have additional educational support provided for your students, this will change the amount of time you are able to support each group. If you have somebody who is able to come in and support your classroom and pull a guided reading group, that is going to be beneficial to your students and it gives more face time to students who wouldn't necessarily qualify for that support. So it means you provide less support for your lowest level students because they're getting additional support elsewhere. So factor that in when you are developing your guided reading groups based on how much support. The schedule I'm going to talk you through today is going to look and assume that we have about 25 students. We're going to put five students in each group and it is going to be on a four-week cycle. So with that being said, another tip is also take your guided reading rotations out of your centers. So if you are doing a centers-based independent work rotation, remove your guided reading from that schedule. Now this may seem a little bit messy because they might be assigned to do one task when you end up pulling them for guided reading, that's perfectly okay because in your rotational schedule, you should insert some catch-up time where students can substitute that catch-up time for the time they missed, the time on task they missed because they were pulled for guided reading. I find this the most beneficial because it allows me to see guided reading groups as needed, meaning I can be more flexible and more adaptive to those students in the moment, and I can change up my schedule as needed. When I have them inside a rotational group, it means everybody gets exactly the same amount of face time with me, and then I'm not able to best support the students who need me the most. So let's have a look at the schedule. In order to organize the schedule and to plan it out and to really visualize and see it, I'm going to use Google Jamboard with a bunch of sticky notes and a four-week calendar template. And then I will move them around and adjust who sees me when. So here I've set up on Jamboard, I've set up a table down the first column. I have put week one, week two, week three, week four, and across the top I've labeled it day one, two, three, four, and five. You can also label it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We use a five-day rotational schedule, so I'm going to use those as my daily headers. Now I've also created a sticky note for each group, so group one, group two, group three, group four, and group five with the goal of knowing that this group five group, I'm actually, my goal in this four week rotation is to meet with them one time. If I have some extra time, I may pull them again for a second time in the month, but these are my highest achieving students. So for that reason, I don't most likely need to see them that often because I will be able to collect assessment data for these students on their ability to analyze and evaluate texts. Most of that will come out through their independent work that they complete for me. So for that reason, I'm just going to start the very first day of the schedule. I'm going to meet with group five. And then I probably will not have any other time in that week to schedule to see them. 
Now I'm also going to meet with group one. My goal is to meet with group one twice a week. So I am going to set that I will meet with group one on day three and day five each of the days in my four week calendar. Now one of the reasons I like to meet with group one on day five or on a Friday is because it allows me to see what they have completed in the week and it also allows me to set the tone for what they're going to be doing the following week. So I can give them a little bit of that instruction. Day three is a midweek check-in, so I can check in with them and give them a little bit of support so that they can kind of get over that hump day. So even comparing how many times I'm seeing group five versus group one, if I see group five one time a month and I see group five eight times a month, Already, you can see that this is definitely a triaged schedule. Now, if I had support and these students that are part of group one are getting support elsewhere, I would simply reduce the number of times that I am seeing group one so that I can adjust and see groups two to four more often or even add another time in the month that I could see group five. Now, the other group that I want to have a standard day for is going to be group two, and I'm going to schedule every day two, so every Tuesday, I'm going to meet with this second group. These are my students that are working at or approaching grade level. I need to meet with them at least once a week so that I can support them throughout the month, and I can check in with them regularly. I like to meet with them either on day two or day four, depending on the needs of that group. Sometimes they might need getting started help. Other times they might need a quick check-in to make sure that they're on track with things. And in that case, I might change the group two day to either day four or day two, depending on the needs of the students. Now group three and group four, these are the students where I don't necessarily need to meet with them every single week. However, the goal is to meet with them two to three times per month. So in this case, I'm going to put group three in week two and week four. And then I'm going to put group four in group three there. And I will then duplicate so in day four. So now in my schedule, I have group two meets every single week, group three meets every week as well. Group four also meets three out of the four weeks. Now, depending on the groups of students, I could also take out a group three and a group four and have group two meet with me again. I can adjust these schedules by just simply moving around the sticky notes. So this is a really great visual way to be able to see where your groups are, where they need to be, how many times pink shows up or how many times, you know, your blue group shows up and you can really map out and see what's happening. You can easily adjust it and move things around as well. If you find that meeting with your group one that often is too much or they don't necessarily need it as often, then you can definitely reduce that amount of time. The other thing that you can do with your group one or even your group two students is you can find additional time during your week to meet with them one-on-one. -on -one. Now, 
A great time to do this, especially with your group one students, is to meet with them during independent reading time. So in my literacy block, I always like to spend the first 15 minutes of class time getting settled, refocusing, getting ready to learn, and that's a great time to do independent reading. This is also a perfect time for those group one and group two students to come to your guided reading table one at a time and have them do a little bit of reading with you. You can support them, you can look at more advanced books, you can talk about the books that they're choosing and just provide some additional support one-on-one -on -one with those students. Even if you only have about five minutes with a student, that is enough to just give them support because you've had some eyes on a time with them, some face time with them one-on-one -on -one to help bridge some of the different learning that is happening with your students. Now at the junior level, a guided reading group is ideally between 10 to 15 minutes. And this is where you're focused on the learning part. So if your goal for that guided reading lesson is on comprehension, it is not necessary that the first time your students see the text that it has to be during this time. So group five will still be working on their guided reading text every single week. So if you're using the Ignited Literacy Program, there is a new guided reading text every single week. Group five, even though they only see you once a month, will still read a new text every week. They just won't meet and discuss it with you. They can discuss it themselves. They can think about it themselves. They can complete the activity based on that reading, but they don't necessarily need to check in with you every single time in order to be able to successfully complete that activity for the independent task. Group three and group four will meet with you and get some support. Some weeks they'll meet with you, the other week they will not. And they will be able to check in with you, you will check in with them, they'll complete their task, they'll move on. But that doesn't mean that they need to wait for you in order to get their reading. You can give every single group their guided reading text on day one, then when they come to meet with you, they could have already read that text and you can have them quickly reread the text and then focus the bulk of your 10 to 15 minute guided reading time on talking about the comprehension, digging into the text, analyzing the author's purpose and intent, looking at predictions or what might happen next, looking at why the author did this. You could summarize it, retell whatever strategy you're working on for that guided session. That can be done during the 10 to 15 minutes. The 10 to 15 minutes that you have for guided reading should not be 10 to 15 minutes of you watching them read a text. That is not a good use of your time or their time. They have a text that you have given them. They can use their independent reading time to read that text. They can also use their reading center's time to be reading and working on that text so that when they come to you, you are focused on what exactly you are assessing them on. Unless you are assessing them on their fluency and decoding skills, you don't necessarily need to have them sitting there reading it for the very first time. You can quickly, within the first five minutes, have them skim and scan the text, read through it, even if they've already read through it, you lean into the students, they read a paragraph to you, you can quickly get some assessment on their fluency and decoding skills, monitoring to make sure that progress is being made in that area, and then spend the bulk of your time, the 10 minutes left that you have, 
focused on the comprehension, and then giving them the next step of what they need to do to complete independent tasks or how they can do that. This also because in our Ignited Literacies, if you are following our Ignited Literacy schedule, there is 20 minutes given to you for this time, the first 20 minutes. So if you are aiming to have your guided reading session done in 15, that gives you five extra minutes to give support individually to the student from that group as they need it. The key things here to remember is that not every student needs the same amount of time with you in guided reading. Your ultimate goal here is assessment and checking in. You want to make sure during a guided reading session that your students are on the right track and that they are going to be able to do the task that you are assessing independently. So guided reading is that bridge activity that's going to help your students take what you've taught them in the modeled and shared examples and get a little bit of support so that they can apply that learning to their independent work. Not all of your students need the same amount of bridging time during that guided reading as the rest of them. So spend your time and triage your time so that you can maximize the effect that you have on improving the skills of your students to move them forward to their next goal or next step as readers. Hope that's given you some ideas of how you can plan and structure your guided reading time in a junior classroom to help support student needs. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next time on another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay. Join me on www.madlylearning.com for more information on all things teaching in the junior grades. Don't forget, you can always catch this show on the Madly Learning YouTube channel. See you next week for another replay episode of Teaching with Madly Learning.